listening to Not Good Enough, an inadequate response to inadequate responses. I'm Mitch Alexander. I'm Tom McLean. I'm Tom Lang. And Evie is out on assignment this week, but we have Isaac in our headphones, fact-checking as we go, and uh, I've got the notes here, short-stopping GME, whatever that means. I was worried that this would be a really, like, dude's rock sort of episode, but I'm also worried that because the jock of the episode is out, we're just going to devolve into really nerdy references to Greek gods again. And I'm just nervous about the whole thing. You know what's annoying is that sport shit keeps happening, like important sport shit. Um, And without Evie here, none of us know what the fuck we're talking about. don't have any goddamn context. So if important sport things have happened this week, I'm sorry, we'll have to cover them next week please feel free for the next week on twitter after you hear it just bully us because that's what we're going to be lacking this week is a good (laughs) bullying and a wedging from the jock of the podcast (laughs) it's just not a not good enough episode if i haven't been wedged by evie at least once (laughs) i miss recording in person guys (laughs) (laughs) i've got to say my medical issues have cleared up I can wear my, whatever underwear I like, but I do miss it. I miss it quite a bit. Evie's just always now just sending us the wedgie emoji in the Discord. And, but, ooh, you got us again. <laughs> Australia's on fire, apparently. <sighs> Adelaide's had a bushfire south of the city, described by some as a firestorm or a volcano. Um, and Adelaide, oh yeah, if you're in Adelaide right now, stay safe. Apparently, it's very smoky and unpleasant. Yeah, this is um, closer to like the middle of January time of recording. We record on a Sunday. It's the 31st today, and this is somewhat old news now. But yeah. Adelaide being like, oh, the firestorm volcano bushfire. <laughs> I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, a number of um, homes were burned as well. And it was just one of those things where the, the footage was coming in of people in more rural areas just seeing this fucking march of dark, dank, horrible smoke. It looks smoke. really hardcore. Yeah, it was fucked. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing is that this year was supposed to be like, you know, oh, the weather's colder this year and a bit wetter and we don't have shit to worry about. And even in those ones, mm-hmm. we've got these really intense bushfires coming through well because we had that mad heat wave last week and we have had a, a relatively cool wet year which meant we had a lot of plant growth and things and then i guess you, you know you chuck a heavy heat wave on the end of that and yeah. yeah look it doesn't take much in australia to make a good bushfire situation uh in amongst all of the bullshit though like it's obviously not great but there was some moments of levity and that's just always nice but the area that was evacuated was home to one of the members of hilltop hoods who tweeted this out uh, on January 24th. Ah, it's beautiful. We've evacuated. Told my daughters, two and four, to only pack what they needed and wouldn't want to lose. Amongst other things, I've just found rocks in the two-year-old's backpack. (laughs) Brackets, not even good rocks. (laughs) And the four-year-old packed a framed picture of herself. Which is just the delightful, like, toddler panic of what's important. I love the idea of just scooping these rocks in and a dad being like, those are the garbage rocks. Not (laughs) even the good rocks. I think, honestly, if you get a two and four year old to pack anything that they think is important, you are setting yourself up for a funny tweet. (laughs) It's so good. Hey, two-year-old, what's important? Two-year-old wildly looks around the room. (laughs) What was last in my mouth? The rocks. (laughs) Meanwhile, in Melbourne on Monday, a mean and menacing tip fire managed to motivate 17 municipalities to move a major alert across most media. 
Jesus Christ. Mitch, are you trying to do like a Ron Burgundy thing here? I honestly just started to write it out and was like, oh, that's dumb. And like it was already a tip fire, which is just in my mind, probably growing up on The Simpsons, just one of the stupidest things you can have. Like it's just garbage on fire. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't fun. Like I think it was, yeah, 17 different suburbs had to send out super intense warnings to close all the windows mm. and turn everything off and stay inside and mask up because it's a fucking tip fire. It's yeah. chemical. It's no good. Um, it's made out of gross stuff. It's not like the lovely bushfires that we get that are just made exactly. out of cute little koala noses. Scented this is eucalypts. like thrown away plastic. Exactly. It's no good. Yeah, this is, this is what uh, Not Good Enough would call a bad fire as opposed to... <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! It's pretty crazy though, because <laughs> so usually grim this opening segment. <laughs> usually, you'd expect the tip fire to be in Canberra, am I right? <laughs> I quit. Get him. More on that this episode. Evie, come back and punch us right in the fucking jaws. <laughs> Christ! Turn it around, Lane. Turn it around. Give us all right, all right. In good news, um, South Australia did for a couple of hours there meet its energy demand entirely with solar. Um, which is pretty cool. Like, and for the yeah. majority of a sunny day, South Australia meets a lot of its energy demand with solar. South Australia is like the mainland state that's doing the most <laughs> renewable energy. Um, but there was a bit of time there where it was just fully solar. They had a little bit of gas ticking along. They didn't need it. They were exporting it to Victoria. And presumably now, uh, because renewables don't work, everyone in South Australia is dead. So, yeah. hey, sorry. Hey Lang. Yeah. Um, I've just got a question. With yeah. solar panels, if you were to have a really intense fire near them, would that also charge up the batteries no. in the Okay. Right. So there's no there's no positive to come from a <laughs> bushfire in Adelaide. No positives no. from a bushfire. Except that tweet from Hilltop Hoods. Yes. Solar panels, actually though, I do just quickly want to mention solar panels work with light, not heat. So a hot day isn't good for the solar panels. You just want a bright day. Um, and also, if it gets too hot, your solar panels actually work a bit less well. Kind of like a computer, they don't like to be super, super hot, which is tricky. So you can actually, some people mm. have solar panels which have like cooling systems or that actually use water cooling, and that means you get hot water as well. Um, oh, that's so that's kind of neat, yeah. So that's a sort of a bit of advice for South Australia is if you're going to have another bushfire, make it burn bright, not yep. hot. Or put your solar panels in the shade. Oh, wait, no. <laughs> <laughs> So last week, uh, there uh, we we uh, some people celebrate an Australia Day, and the way that a lot of the government sort of does it is they give out awards to people on Australia Day. Should we even say Australia Day? How do you say it? Invasion Day? But it's within the context of I've been calling it the public holiday. You say on the twenty sixth because <laughs> I'm a centrist and I can't wait to vote for Labor. But just calling it the public holiday. And letting it, letting it hang in the air as people try to like pick the politics of it. And then if they give me the quizzical look, it's it's Invasion Day. <laughs> so, the dirty gronks who call it Australia Day like to celebrate by giving awards to people that hate society. <laughs> 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 Just the person who can hate society the most gets a trophy that says, fuck everyone. <laughs> um, that, that, that's actually really basically what's happened is over the last few years, the, the, the Australian government likes to give out the, the Order of Australia is like this honour and they give it out to people who are like really good at like science or religion or sort Sport. of contributions to society. But it just it's because the government sort of just handpicks who gets it. Mm. it it's by definition 
politicized and uh, it just goes out to some really horrible people sometimes. Yeah. So like Tony Abbott got one uh, and uh, yeah, the, the, the one that's really in the public eye at the moment is Margaret Court got one who's a homophobe who's good at tennis. And Well, she's like, not even currently good at tennis. Some time ago, she got the award for being good at tennis, but this year she got one for being a homophobe <laughs> because she already got one for being good at tennis and she hasn't been good at tennis recently. Yeah, yeah. So I reckon. She's an what do you reckon lady. getting Margaret Court on the court again? What do you reckon <sighs> that would show? Like, she should have to like defend it every year. Like, are you still good at fucking tennis? <laughs> I mean, she's probably still fit. Like, I mean, I reckon she could beat me. I reckon she could beat. A ten- I reckon she tennis. could beat the two of us in doubles while she plays single. Yes, but yeah. against anyone ranked, against anyone who's played tennis before, unlike me, I reckon. They'd give it a run for her money. <laughs> but it's important to note, this is not a tennis award. <laughs> I, I would also say, and credit to her, she is probably better at me at being a homophobe as well. Like, <laughs> I'm a comedian, and I reckon if I wanted to switch it on, I could come up with some outrageously homophobic shit, but Margaret Court just lives it. Mm. It's in her blood. Just, <laughs> well, she, I mean, just, just like She does live it. She's not just like a... Uh, homophobe because she uses shit words or has shit thoughts she keeps to herself. She's an active anti-gay campaigner and has been for mm. a, at least a decade plus as much as she can. She uses a public platform to say fucking horrendous shit. If you feel like you want to see what that is and you're strong enough to do it, look it up yourself. <laughs> Don't even bother anyway. Have it's, a nice afternoon. That's the thing. <laughs> she is fucking like actually a very actively and happily actively bad person. She's just shit. She's terrible. So they've given her this award basically just to piss off people like us. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the Troll Award. So as these sort of awards are going out to horrible people, as well as to people who are good at, you know, community contributions and that sort of thing, they give out shitloads of these awards every year. I, I, I still find myself thinking, like, if I got an award for it's a distinguished service to podcasting, I don't know. <laughs> Just like the award, like, it, it's... The, all of the really big public ones have been fuck you society awards. The big medal that just says, like, everyone go to hell, I'm very hateful, and then they drape that medal around your neck. And if it was like, hey, McLean, you're pretty good at podcasting. Here's your fuck you society, everyone go to hell, I'm very hateful medal. <laughs> I would be thinking, no thanks. <laughs> hmm. Maybe <laughs> maybe I don't want that. And especially considering, like, ostensibly the award is an honour, it's going to honourable people who have integrity. And I'm looking at the awards that have been going out before and being like, fuck, man, if I even had an award from the past, I would be like, you know what? You can have it back. I I don't want it anymore because you've turned the award into a piece of shit. And now I've got this medal hanging around my neck that says I'm a piece of shit and I hate that. So I'm going to return the medal. And I've been wondering why people haven't been doing that. But this high profile awarding of the Order of Australia to Margaret Court this year has actually spurred some past AO recipients to give it back. And I think that is like super, super rad. So I wanted to just shout out, big shout out to... People who have received Australia's actual highest honour, which is returning their Order of Australia in protest. <laughs> so, congratulations to Dr. Clara Tuckmengsu, who uh, originally received the award for her LGBTIQ advocacy, which another strong step towards that advocacy is to say, actually, fuck this award. <laughs> also, Dr. Rodney Syme, who got the award for his work on Dying with Dignity and Human Rights Campaigning. Uh, again, 
what an honourable move to say no thanks. Um, Alistair McRae, who got the AO for his religious work, he's like a, a uniting Methodist, maybe church pastor guy who just did like religious outweek stuff. Um, giving it back. He's giving it back. The round of applause to Alistair McRae. These, this, I think this is really like, this is a sign of true integrity is mm. to like publicly just say, actually, fuck this honour that's coming from a dishonourable group. I don't want it. Yeah. That's, I can't be bought so good. with a shiny coin. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted to point out that, uh, <laughs> you know, if you, listener, have an AO yourself, maybe consider giving it back because the longer you leave it, mm. maybe you're a coward, right? Yeah. Like maybe all previous AO recipients now are cowards except for those three. <laughs> hmm. I reckon give it to us and we'll take turns giving it back as well. <laughs> just feel good. It's just like an old maid, so, like the card, like yeah. the person who's left with it when the music stops is, yeah. the, is the homophobe. <laughs> so, McLean, where does uh, Kerry O'Brien sit with that? Because he was going to get one, but he rejected it. Is that better or worse than having it? And I think that's good. Oh, yeah. That's just as good. Dodged a bullet. Love it. Yeah. yeah. So he, he managed to like matrix out of the way of being a homophobe. And these <laughs> other people were like tricked into supporting the homophobe medal. And they're like, uh. I think, yeah, it's like, it's like two good forces from opposite ends coming together. It's like, yeah. yeah I'm just really quickly looking up if Hugo Weaving. Yes, Hugo Weaving <laughs> is holding an order of Australia. Fuck you, Hugo <laughs> Weaving. Give it back. <laughs> I was like, I fucking bet they gave an AO to Hugo Weaving. They absolutely did. Hugo Weaving, you coward. <laughs> Official stance of the podcast Hugo Weaving is a coward. Hugo Weaving, you spineless little <laughs> shit. Give your AO back. What are you doing? It's a shame. I quite like Hugo Weaving's work. Well, I but, used to. I yeah. thought he was good in The Matrix. But there it we turns go. Out. <laughs> Strong. Meanwhile, strong call. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, guess who did receive an AO this, this year? This is fucked. And received it. It's of course Malcolm Turnbull. <laughs> and why did he get it? He got it for his contributions toward marriage equality. <gasps> we all might remember the time <laughs> when, while he was prime minister, he took the most neutral possible stance on marriage equality, being like, well, I might be the leader of the nation, but I'm going to just, like, push the issue away as hard as I can and be like, oh, yes, I mean, personally, I think it would be nice if it happened. But who am I to say, beyond Prime Minister, <laughs> that it would be good for the country? Mm. Uh, 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 instead, like, for the international listener, the, the marriage equality in Australia was achieved via this horrible thing called the plebiscite, which was a nationwide vote specifically on that that had tons of campaigning leading up to it, which means that there were official, large-scale public campaigns saying homosexuals are terrible and they shouldn't be allowed to marry, and if we let them, that's going to ruin society. Just on big placards and TV and yeah. stuff all around the nation, terrible terrible thing for the psyche of anyone who's gay or likes humanity or, or, or anything like that. Um, eventually, the plebiscite did go through. Everybody voted yes. It wasn't even a legally binding plebiscite, so that we then had to have 
an actual, you know, parliamentary vote that they could have had anyway, <sighs> just right off to begin with without spending any money on the campaigning or anything, but we just had to do it. Um, and then, yeah, gay marriage passed. Huzzah. You could have just done it from the word go, but no. Yeah. And and even before they had the plebiscite, they had done plenty of surveys and they had assessed the yeah. general vibe yeah. of Australia and they knew that the majority of Australians were like, yeah, gay people are fine. Why shouldn't they be able to get married? How How is this even a question? And they went, ah, but we really don't want to piss off the, the homophobes and the right-wingers. And, ah, oh, mm, I don't know. Ah, oh, oh, I guess we'll just make you guys argue about it. And now Turnbull fucking takes the credit for, oh, I made gay marriage legal. No, you... Held it off for as long as you possibly could. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, just disgusting that he continues to... Like, it really seems like he personally believes that he made gay marriage happen mm. rather than it was a thing that happened despite him. Anyway, he got the AO, the Award for Cowardice and Homophobia, this year, <laughs> and he gladly accepted it. <laughs> When asked about the Margaret Court situation, uh, you know, another person receiving the honour who's a terrible homophobe, Turnbull said, it's not dignified to comment on the appropriateness of other award winners specifically, but (laughs) there's no shortage of irony that he's being honoured for his contributions to marriage equality. I'd say it's not ironic. You're getting the same award for the same thing. (laughs) The, The cowardice award for distinguished homophobia. That's what you received. You both deserve it. Yep. They just they just gave it to Turnbull and he went, Oh, why am I receiving the Cowards Award for Distinguished Homophobia? And they went, Oh no, it's because you were um you were not homophobic. We give it to people on both sides. And he went, Oh great, okay, cool. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I got my Cowards Award for Distinguished Homophobia for my work against homophobia, even though secretly it was absolutely very homophobic the whole time. I'm not gonna question Classic this Turnbull. at all. <laughs> It, it 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 really like the whole piece about Turnbull receiving his thing is just so dense with just like these really bonkers little lines in there. It's like a, a exercise in just draining your own sanity. He said that in the future, like he really this is just like not even talking about his AO thing, but in the same article, he said, "Oh, you know, I'm looking forward to I'm going to speak out against the rise of proto fascism in Australia, mm-hmm. which I believe is spurred by tolerating misinformation in the media." He says, oh, we better not tolerate misinformation in the media. He says, in the media, while accepting the award for his work in service of marriage Mm. equality. Like, the man has no relation to reality. But also, let's keep in mind that this, like, idea of, like, the proto-fascism is coming from the right wing. And Malcolm Turnbull was one of the chief architects of the concern about Sudanese gangs in Melbourne in 2018. He pushed that as fucking hard as he could and he let Dutton push that as hard as he could and let the media run with that misinformation as hard as they could to help them politically. Barely t- fucking three years later, he's like, <laughs> what's, with all the, what's with all the racists, especially down in Melbourne? What the fuck? I better speak yeah. up about that. Fucking coward. I cannot <laughs> think of someone more deserving of the award. You fucking spineless <laughs> blobfish idiot. I would personally love to just move on from Malcolm Turnbull and never talk about him again and let him just slide as swiftly as possible into obscurity. What's been happening in the so-called left side of Australian politics? Uh, <laughs> Labor's in a real pickle because they are right-wingers who have found themselves on the left side 
<laughs> they found themselves on the left side of the actual right wing party. And so they're forced to actually pretend like they care about left wing issues like climate change, which is really embarrassing because they really fucking don't care. Um, so what's happened this week is the ALP has taken the climate change portfolio from Mark Butler, who is the minister who was responsible for that, um, and they've given it to a different guy, Chris Bowen. Now, personally, I don't have strong opinions about Mark Butler or Chris Bowen. They're both identical, fungible Labour guys, as far as I'm concerned. The important thing here <laughs> is that... I really like the idea that I don't have like strong opinions. I'm just like, ah, oh, they're just like high-profile Labour MPs, so I don't really have a strong opinion about them. Just feed them into a trash compactor and be done with yeah. it. Yeah, like... like <laughs> just by sort of neutral stance. I honestly couldn't pick them out of a lineup, nor could I pick their policies out of a lineup. But Mark Butler's thing was, of the Labour guys, he was relatively outspoken about climate change. Um, he he's very much a party player. Like he's not he's not rocking the boat, but he does seem to think that it's important and that we should do things about it. And he's said things in the past, like. Uh, if we get to 2030 with the level of inertia we've had over the last decade, then we have profoundly let down our children and grandchildren. Which, for a Labour guy, that's a pretty ballsy yeah. thing to say. Yeah. Mm. And and he has, like, when there's been fights in Labour about whether or not we should have coal mines more or if we should do anything about climate change ever, he has been on the side of, of course we should. People who are saying we shouldn't are wrong. So, pretty ballsy for a Labour guy. But he's still very much a party player and he will go along with the party position up to the point where the party position is, Mark Butler, get out of here. Um, <laughs> so they've moved him over to health where he's no longer allowed to be outspoken about climate. They've moved Chris Bowen into climate and Chris Bowen is, is another party guy. I, I don't have anything to say about him. He's just less outspoken. But the whole background to this is that this is Labor going, okay, we're not going to be this outspoken about climate because they've had some fights recently with Joel Fitzgibbon, who's the Labour guy, who's who's obviously working for the Liberals and obviously loves fossil fuels. <laughs> and he's yeah, been the Labour like, member for the Liberal Party. Exactly. Joel Fitzgibbon, we'll talk about him a bit more later, but he has spent a lot of, of time recently being like, oh, Labour's going too hard on climate change. We should do what Scott Morrison's doing. This has been very awkward for Anthony Albanese, who doesn't have a position on anything except kind of just <laughs> wanting to remain the leader. And he's worried that if the people in his party fight too much, he might not be the leader, any leader anymore. So he's decided it's better to just totally tone down all party promises or, or any kind of statements his party makes so that no one can tell where they actually are, like a... Like a baby deer with no scent. <laughs> so that so that anyone who's like, oh, I want to have an opinion about Labour, he's like, oh, oh, I don't. Well, you can't see me. You can't see me. No, 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 no. <laughs> That's not our strategy. This is what they've they've done. So the 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 changing of the portfolio was done as a larger sort of sort of shake up as they move into attack mode coming into the next election. Yeah. And so <laughs> Labour. What they what they think is like a hard out attack is going. We're gonna go carbon neutral by 2050, and we're not gonna talk about our plans just yet, and we're not gonna have a target for 2030, and we're not gonna say anything bad about gas, and we're not. And essentially, it is like 
laying what you just said. They don't really have any sort of plan. They just want to keep... Anthony Albanese wants to just look like things are happening. Mm. It's like, ah, one of the first things Chris Bowen said, he got the climate change and energy portfolio and did a whole bunch of media interviews where he spent the entire time just going, oh, look, I'm just new to the portfolio. Give me a break. I don't have a plan yet. Come on, calm down. Because they don't want a plan. Because a plan will ruin things. A plan will mean that they can't join the Mineral Council when they leave politics. Like, it, a plan would be disastrous for the them. A plan would mean that they maybe get fewer donations from the fossil fuel industry <laughs> and then they can't buy as many billboards heading into the election. Yeah. Labour, pre the last election, did have quite a comprehensive plan. Like, it wasn't necessarily a great, ambitious plan, but they had a lot of policies. And a lot of those climate policies were set by Mark Butler. And that was things like, oh, we're going to reduce emissions by 45% by 2030, stuff like that. They lost that election, quite embarrassingly, to Scott Morrison. And that really, like, they are still carrying a lot of trauma from that because they've pinned it on, oh, we had too many plans. We went too hard on climate change and it scared people off. They clearly want someone more like Scott Morrison, who has nothing really going on at all. We should be like that. The idea yeah. of Anthony Albanese laying in bed at night in a cold sweat and his wife's like trying to wake him up, but in his head, it's just got that echoing repeat of Scott Morrison being like, how good's Queensland, Queensland, Queensland? How good's Queensland, Queensland? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Following the last election, Labor's like got their, their small target strategy, mm. which is like, let's make sure that, you know, we don't make any promises or be visible at all so that the media has, like, nothing to criticise us against. Mm. Like, the successful execution of their policy ends up with everybody going to the booth on election day and seeing Labour on the ballot and thinking, who? Yeah. <laughs> Labour considers the best offence is a good defence. Um, and you win a war by just not being there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you surrender immediately, you don't have to fight. Exactly. <laughs> we want to give the opposing army space. To get their manoeuvres right. That's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My understanding of the small target strategy is not that they're not going to say anything. It's that they're not going to say anything in advance. I think that they're going to try and do like a blitz right before the election. Like, you know, in the days before. So that the Liberals don't have enough time to sort of like mount a response. Mm. Which is just the transparently stupidest possible plan. (laughs) Where they're like, what we're going to do is not test any of our messaging at all Mm. and then get it right first go (laughs) and hope that it lands straight away. And also we're going to let the Liberals say whatever they want this whole time up till the election and then right at the end we'll go, well, here's what we think. Anyway... Yeah, it's like oh, if we make it, if we say that we're going to do climate action, maybe the liberals are going to say that we're weak on jobs, mm. and the liberals are just like, yeah, we, we're going to say that anyway. <laughs> There's no way that you're going to stop us from saying that you're weak on jobs. The the worst bit is that their messaging now, because of that, is bad. It's been bad for fucking oh. months now. Is that they keep saying, like publicly to the faces of journalists who are asking really bog standard questions now is not the time to talk about the specifics we will have this fully costed by the election chris bowen going Mm. out there we're going to be going to the election with a plan i can tell you right now come the election we will have a plan and that sounds really fucking bad i do not know what we talked about this months ago when albanese was uh being interviewed by Lee Sales. And he did the same thing with like teachers and nurses and shit. Like we've got this, we've got this amazing plan to increase funding and pay essential workers properly. All right, well, what is the funding? 
Lee, now is not the time to talk about specifics. <laughs> Next election, we will be going to the election with a plan. And that sounds transparently like you do not have a plan. And well, everyone who hears that just goes, oh, well, why do I give a shit? These guys don't even have a plan yet. At least Scott Morrison has the like has the reins. At least the Liberal Party, even though what they're doing, I'm not really for, I'm a small business owner, maybe it's okay, blah, 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 blah. But at least... They're fucking grabbing onto this and pushing forward with anything. It's just such a weak policy position. It's nothing. It makes them sound shady too. Like if you're not already a Labor voter and Labor's like, oh, we're going to do good stuff. Just trust us. But we can't tell you what it is. I'm like, well, why should I trust you? Both other sides. The Liberals have... Oh. shitty plans, but they tell you what they are. The Greens have have plans and they tell you what their stances are. Labor's like, oh, oh, maybe just vote for us just to see. You know what it is? I've I've got Evie <laughs> screaming in my head from the afterlife, I'm assuming. Um, that like, it's the West Wing brain type thing where the Labor Party are just like, look, right now we don't have a plan. Right now we don't have a plan, but the Australian population love costed measures. Once we get the financials out there and the maths are solid, people will fucking flock to us. It's like they absolutely won't. You've lost all of these elections doing the exact same thing. Uh, I think, but I think that's the thing because all the messaging now isn't just well, you know we'll have a plan. It's like our plan will be fully costed. It will be fully wrote, written. It will be looked at. It will be double checked. And it's like that's not what people give a shit about, man. What are you doing? Yeah. They've bought into the propaganda from the right wing who've always tried to pick on them with, oh, it's going to cost too much money to protect the environment. What's, Labor doesn't care about the money. Labor's gone, oh, okay, oh, well, we'll, we'll focus on jobs and money then. And, and the right wing goes, ha-ha, fuckers, now you're playing in our turf. Also, because of their small target strategy, they're so reluctant to you know, say anything about what they're going to do, that all of their messaging recently has also been just, like, purely negative stuff about the Liberal Party, Mm. where they're just, like, they'll put up a thing being like, and the Liberal Party is really corrupt. Mm. And people are like, (laughs) right, so do you mean you're going to do, like, a federal ICAC or something? And they're like, no, no, maybe. (laughs) Wait till the election. It's like, just say what you're going to do. Oh, the, the, the living in Australia at the moment, if you're on welfare, it's real hard. Yeah? Uh Yep. So so what are you going to do? Well, It's so hard. (laughs) It's tricky, isn't it? (laughs) Like, fuck you! (laughs) Make some promises! One of the things that I think is the most pathetic, because they're trying to win the left-wing surprise, apparently, and a little bit of the right-wing, is they've scaled back all of their promises. So now they did go to the election with a promise of reductions by 2030. They now have no 2030 target. They have... uh, Carbon neutral by 2050 target, all of those are the minimum allowed. Like, that's our Paris obligation. And they've refused to have a more ambitious target than Scott Morrison on climate. So, what's the point of it at all? Exactly. They now are saying, we're not going to be any better than the coalition on climate. We refuse to set a stronger target than the coalition on climate. Or even a stronger target than our Paris obligation on climate. And they absolutely refuse to consider the alternatives, but they also say, well, if you if you want Scott Morrison out, if you want anything on climate, you've got to vote for us. Don't vote for the Greens. Vote for us and and we'll probably do better, but we won't we won't make promises to do that. This is also I, I I've just seen so Mr. Albanese when appointing Chris Bowen says he Chris Bowen used to be the treasurer of the ALP. 
Anthony Albanese said he regarded climate change as an economic portfolio. Therefore, someone who has been the treasurer of Australia is eminently qualified to fill that role. Mm. What the fuck? Mm. It's, a, <laughs> it's a matter of life and death portfolio, Anthony. Do you not still yeah. not recognize this? It's absolutely not economic. Any more than like coronavirus response is economic in that masks cost money. Yeah, yeah. it's just it's economic to the degree that the fundamental thing that a government does is allocate resources Mm. yeah yeah that one that one actually sort of scared me a little bit like despite the fact that it's you know um i regard climate change as something totally unrelated so i think the person who has done something totally unrelated to climate change is eminently qualified but also that because he says as well with this whole shake-up and this new quote-unquote attack that they're doing they're trying to focus on, you know, jobs and the economic argument. And they're going to do that with climate change as well. And I just do not think that a party that has to try and pretend to be more left-wing than the Liberal Party are going to be able to make a jobs argument when it comes to climate change unless they want to actually talk about the truth of the matter, which is cli- like fossil fuel jobs are non-existent pretty soon. There's absolutely no economic future in fossil fuels and climate change, if tackled properly, could be fucking great for the economy. Renewable Mm. energy is going to be really fucking good for the economy. But they are so committed to not taking that stance head on because, again, they they lost an election to the miners in Queensland. Then they've got... There's nothing to this argument. The economic argument will not stick for them. They have a shitload of fossil fuel donors. They refuse to say fossil fuels are bad, too. Well, that's that's why they're not going to actually take on the the economic argument yeah. that they need to. But this is, we've taken the economic argument on on climate change. It's really fucking easy. Not only are economists and 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 activists and environmentalists talking about it, but fucking BlackRock is talking about it. Fossil <laughs> fuel companies are talking about it. It's really economically sensible to get into renewable energy. But the ALP are committed to not doing that because of fucking ghouls like Fitzgibbon, who we'll get to in a second, who's just like, oh, but but what about the coal miners? We need their votes, champs. And the only way we can get their votes is by saying we'll open more coal mines. Can you just get on the podium and say, hey, the economic argument for climate action is if everyone's dead, there's no economy. Yeah. That's it. That's the economic argument is we have to be alive to spend money and we'll die. (laughs) Like the Morrison government is just fucking up everything all of the time. They would be so easy. To criticise, and Labour refuses to actually go in on any meaningful opposition. It's it's mind-boggling, and I, I just think that they're scared of being bullied by the Murdoch media. But if that's the case, get the fuck out of government. <laughs> they already are bullied by the Murdoch yeah. media. I think that they're not so much scared of being bullied by the Murdoch media. I think that they're just like exactly as complicit in all of the exact same shit that the, that the Coalition is. And so as soon as they put any specific, you know, targets on anyone's back, it's on their back as well because they don't have a single leg to stand on because they're constantly accepting money from the fossil fuel industry. They've got the same revolving door between fossil fuel lobbyists and their party operatives. It's like they're the same party and they have the same interests. I don't like talking about American stuff, but I will just briefly here because it's really interesting to see. Joe Biden's got in, and he's, he's a pretty centre-right kind of guy, but he's actually doing a lot of shit on climate, and he made a lot of promises on climate, and he's actually started, to the pleasant surprise of all of the climate lefties like me, he's actually doing some shit. And it's really 
going to be quite embarrassing for Australia when America starts being way more progressive on climate than us because Biden has come in and really quickly gone, uh, this is a quote actually, unlike previous administrations, I don't think the federal government should give handouts to big oil to the tune of $40 billion in fossil fuel subsidies. He's cutting subsidies. He's just straight up cancelled the Keystone pipeline, that big oil pipeline. He's he's bringing in like a climate core. He's throwing lots of money. He's doing a Green New Deal of sorts. It's not everything we could have hoped for, but it's more than we expected. And like American politicians there are using Australia as a cautionary case. Like John Kerry saying, oh, we, we all saw Australia's bushfires, all of these homes and, and animals being destroyed and seeing these plumes of smoke made us think, and here's the quote, the war has started, we're losing. Like, the world sees Australia as an example of climate change fucking us up and also <laughs> a government not doing anything about climate change. And and obviously the, the US, the, the Republicans are are trying to tear him to shreds. They're going, oh, he's going to destroy the economy. Oh, climate change is a lie. But fuck it, they would have said that anyway. But because he's doing this, he's actually got the lefties on his side, which is what Australian Labor needs to look at. If they (laughs) actually made any real promises about climate, if they said, we're going to cut fossil fuel subsidies, we're going to fuck off all of these gas miners... They would get lefties on the side. They'd get the Greens in a coalition with them. They'd get all of the 70% of Australians who think climate change is pretty important on their side. But they won't because they're scared of the right wing saying shit about them or whatever. Or their own internal disputes. Like, I mean, if they started getting climate action, Fitzgibbon would make it a genuine push for leadership. Absolutely. Trying to oust Albanese, etc. They they they're so scared of like that internal fight as well, because they tolerate climate deniers in their own ranks. Yeah. <laughs> so they've, of course they're fucked. They've created this shitty situation because they've allowed these climate deniers in because they take climate denial money. So let's talk. Let's talk about them. Let's, let's let's hammer in on these motherfuckers, like especially fucking Joel Fitzgibbon. Joel Fitzgibbon. Joel Fitzgibbon. Fucking, hey, fucking Gibbon. Give that man an order of Australia. He fucking deserves it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Give Joel Fitzgibbon the Order of Australia award for his work on climate change. Yeah. <laughs> That's how that fits. <laughs> so, who is Joel Fitzgibbon? Joel Fitzgibbon is as like one of the really weird milk toast uh, Labor dynasty people. Uh, he's one of the one of the people that not a lot of. Not a lot of people know, but so many Australian politicians just come in after their parents. So yeah. Eric Fitzgibbon um, was in federal parliament as well. Joel Fitzgibbon followed in his footsteps and just had a, one of those really shit cruisy careers where he just sort of, you know, waddles behind his father. It's like, me next! <laughs> and he is the de facto leader or one of the big players in the Labour right-wing faction. I'm not going to get into it. It's so fucking boring. We have tried I've tried looking this up so many times, but essentially most of the political parties in Australia have this, but Labour has people that are more right-wing, people that are more left-wing. They get into little groups with each other and they try to outmaneuver each other because they're fucking hoglets for politics. That is that's all it is for them. It's just a game. They fucking love it. Yeah. Joel they have an official faction system as well. It's not like, oh, this guy happens to be left wing and this guy happens to be right wing. You sign up for the faction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got like they've got their own <laughs> little Labour Hufflepuff, Labour Gryffindor. Yeah, they've got little voting sections and yeah, they, it's it's a it's a whole thing because they just 
Politicians are the types of people who get into politics and go, oh, there's not enough politics here. Let's add some more to it. <laughs> so anyway, Joel Fitzgibbon, you, if you've listened to this podcast before, you would know that we've mentioned him. He is... Friend of the pod, Joel Fitzgibbon. <laughs> he is extremely right-wing. He is essentially a liberal member. He is pro-fossil fuels. He is, he's a climate denier. He's a climate he's denier. A climate denier. <laughs> and he's also, you may remember, the... Labor member who said that the Greens are the major opposition to mm. the Labor Party, not the Liberal Party. And he also made, not even thinly veiled, just threats against Anthony Albanese's leadership. He reckons yeah. he's got the numbers to bloody roll him if this Anthony Albanese gets out of line. He's the one where when he has something to say publicly, he's got white supremacist news network Sky News on speed dial. He doesn't oh, go yeah. via the ABC. Yeah. He's like, yo, <laughs> Nazis, let's go. I want to talk about how climate change isn't real. He puts out statements in the Daily Telegraph that you can't read unless you buy the Daily Telegraph, which honestly shouldn't <laughs> be allowed. <laughs> oh, no. If we if we have policies, Murdoch Media is going to attack us through Joel Fitzgibbon op-eds. What? <laughs> um, he, was the, he was the minister for energy and climate, or like the shadow minister, but he got kicked from that role relatively recently. Um, because he kicked up too much of a fuss saying, hey, Labor shouldn't exist. We should just go along with Scott Morrison. Um, they kicked him to the back bench where he's still in the party, but he now has more time to just talk shit yeah. about his own party just in the media. As a quick correction, Lang, he wasn't kicked. He quit. Oh, yeah. yeah. He okay. announced it himself because he it's a deliberate move for him to move to the back bench to shore up support with this right-wing faction. Again, it's so fucking wanky. But it, it's a it's a political move to try and shore up his own seat, where which he nearly lost. He had a almost 10-point swing against him in the election. He puts that down to those bloody inner-city latte-sipping leftists. Right. Um, and so he's holding, he's trying his best to hold on to his own power at the expense of Every, fixing the climate. <laughs> That's the thing. We have to. Why the fuck do we have to care about Joel Fitzgibbon mm. trying to like leverage his point in the Labor Party that gives him the freaking? Who gives a fucking shit? I don't want to die in a bushfire. That's the sort of like end goal of this flowchart. Mm. Drives me crazy. Yeah, he's fun. absolutely destabilizing the whole party just to hold on to like I don't know some coal mining votes or something. Yeah, he reckons that the only way for Labor to do anything about climate change is to say that you won't do anything about climate change and then not do too much about climate change because that's the <laughs> only way you're going to win an election. And he's, he's because very, he's, he does not believe that climate change is real. But the, no, but this is the thing, McLean. Is that like this is what Ben spoke about last week on the podcast? Is that Joel Fitzgibbon, there are fucking thousands of quotes of him saying, oh, mm. you know, climate change is is pretty real. And then like, oh, you know, there's not going to be another coal mining operation opening in Australia. Don't be ridiculous. So he has enough of these quotes that he can try to launder his image mm. by going, no, 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 I don't deny climate change. However... I advocate for denying climate change. I think we should deny climate change. I think all of our policies should be based on denying climate change. It's just, it's fucking garbage. And I, like, I understand why the Labor Party can't get rid of him. It's a pretty bad political system if the leader of the political party is just like, well, the, the people who voted for you, they don't count. You're out of the party. But... Someone needs to get rid of this cunt because he's not working for the Labour Party. He, he doesn't mm. want to be there and no one wants him there. Surely they can just disendorse him or something. 
Oh, they could, but they don't want to because half of the Labour Party is also like this is the thing supporting Joel Fitzgibbon. Mm. Like half of the Labour Party supports Joel Fitzgibbon, and fundamentally, all of the Labour Party are climate denialists. Like this, this is the thing that he's got like things saying like, "Oh, I believe climate change is real." You can go outside and you can say that as many times as you want, but if you are not acting in such yeah. a way that if we don't get climate action soon drastically, then the whole civilization is fucked, then you're certainly denying at least some major part of the climate science, which says we need urgent, drastic climate action or society's fucked. If if your actions don't line up with that, you're a climate denialist. And Joel Fitzgibbon is a climate denialist. And the the scary thing is that he is despite what Anthony Albanese will try to say, he's a climate denialist who has power in the Labour Party and they're not mm. doing anything to check it. Um, so this is this is what Joel Fitzgibbon had to say about uh, Butler being taken out of the climate change portfolio. This is a quote. It will send the right message to our traditional base, but it won't be enough alone. We also need to recalibrate our policy and our messaging if we are to reassure our traditional base that while we are serious on taking action on climate change, (gasps) meaningful action, we will do so without risk or threat to their livelihoods. Yeah. Which is not possible. Yeah, his traditional base is coal miners. (laughs) We need to shut down the coal mines. (laughs) Like, I actually support doing that without risk or threat to their livelihoods. Give them a pension, whatever. Like, we need to shut down the coal mines. Fine, if you need to do that, that's the way. It's it's also probably worth mentioning that there is like a thousand coal miners in Australia. (laughs) (laughs) This is a great example of something that, that you'll see a lot that's kind of like dog whistling, but dog whistling is kind of about racism. This is I like to call it hog whistling, but it will never catch on. Where he's now nah, let's make what it he's thing. doing here. He's not talking to voters um, because coal miners, like Isaac just pointed out, coal miners are not uh, very many voters. There's only a very small minority of Australian voters are coal miners or even live in coal mining communities. It's a tiny part of the economy. It's a tiny part of the population. He's not talking to coal miners. And most coal miners, in fact, support a good transition away from coal mining. They see that these are not jobs with a long-term future. He's talking to donors. He's talking to rich people. He's talking to the people who donate to him and who might give him a job. He's saying our traditional base, fossil fuel company executives... (laughs) And when he's saying risk or threat to their livelihoods, by livelihoods, he means the money you donate to me to support fossil fuels. And it's like when people say economy or traditional jobs or whatever, what they're saying is, we've got you, rich people. We've got your back. Fuck the voters. We've got you. And so you've got to keep an eye out for these things because because you can't win an election just by talking to coal miners. You win an election by talking to Rupert Murdoch. I really like hog whistling. That's a very good yeah. term. No, we don't remember that one. <laughs> um, he's also, actually, one more quote from him is on Radio National. He said, Mark Butler has been over-enthusiastic about climate action. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like, okay, Mark, we all know it's real, but we don't want to talk about it. Fucking ease up, Turbo, with the whole the world's going to die thing. Calm down. We've got, yeah. like, 20 years. <laughs> it's only your portfolio, mate. Shush, 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 shush. Yeah, it's his fucking job, cunt. It is what is the... <laughs> it's the only thing Butler was supposed to be fucking enthusiastic about. Jesus. <sighs> Which is... That's also... 
telling on himself as fucking Joel Fitzgibbon. Th- this guy has been over-enthusiastic about trying to do the best he can with his portfolio. Me, mm. don't give a fuck about my portfolio. Here for the mm. votes. Here for the cushy yeah. pay packets and, and feeling, like a, feeling like a cool dude. Mark Butler needs to learn that when you're in the climate and energy portfolio of the Labor Party, your job is to delay and to dissemble, not <laughs> to... Act or spur action, come on. Yeah, it's the Ministry for Climate Change in a 1984 kind of way. Like, they're responsible (laughs) for not doing anything to fix it. One of the things that consistently drives me insane about the Labor approach to Fitzgibbon and the right faction and all the infighting that they make is that, like the ALP love to do all the time with everything else, is that they will make statements about something and then take literally no action on it um after joel fitzgibbon has come out and said you know it's good that mark butler was fucked off we should we should get other people more right-wing people like chris bowen into these portfolios mr anthony albanese said on thursday just gone that mr fitzgibbon's comments were quote wrong uh the quote is they don't reflect the overwhelming (laughs) view of people in the labor party the overwhelming view of people in the labor party is that we need strong action on climate change and that strong action is good for jobs that it's good for lowering emissions and also good for lowering energy prices now i will just refer you back to the fucking joel fitzgibbon quote that said the exact same thing because that's a nothing statement Joel Fitzgibbon also says that he wants meaningful action on climate change. So that pairs up pretty fucking nicely with the ALP's stance on things. But it's just, why are you... He, Albanese does this all the fucking time. <laughs> he comes out after Fitzgibbon just lashes him on Sky News and he's gone, oh, I don't reckon that was pretty nice. And I reckon, look, most of us actually disagree with him and we actually, you know, we reckon he's pretty nasty, the stuff he says. Oh, are you going to... Are you going to do anything about that? No, we'll let him quit the portfolio if he wants to, and we'll let him actually do that himself. But otherwise, no, we're not going to. No, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry, guys. I don't want Sorry, I don't want to rock the So they're they're meant to be campaigning towards an election that, like, we're hearing is probably going to be this year, right? And the only thing they can do is... One, play their small target media strategy in the hope that nobody looks at them too closely. And two, infight. Like, there's just these, you know, the the left-right factional warfare that they're constantly up to that is absolutely going to fuck their chances at the election because they're... They, they they can't present any kind of coherent stance because they don't have a coherent stance because mm. they're more you know more devoted to securing their own power within the Labour Party than they are advancing the the interests of the party at all mm. right or even you know the voters yeah, certainly the voters but like they they can't really advance the interests of any voters if they're not wielding any kind of political power so McLean. Why do you think, this is Learning Corner because you helped us this week, why do you think Albo is so fucking reticent to do anything about Albanese and he's he would much rather... To sh- he would much rather shore up all the infighting inside the Labor Party and lose an election than try to go hard and do something meaningful for Australia. Yeah, this is a, a thing that just like once I learned about it many years ago, just stuck in my head and stayed there. It's this thing called the Iron Law of Institutions, which I don't think there's like many textbooks or anything about it. It's just like this one blogger, John Schwartz, who came up with it. But the Iron Law of Institutions is... The people who control institutions care first and foremost about their power within the institution rather than the power of the institution itself. Thus, 
They would rather the institution fail while they remain in power within the institution than the institution to succeed if that requires them to lose power within the institution. That is, Albo will always prioritise his position as leader of the Labour Party over any of the Labour Party itself's actual interests. But this is true of any institution. Mm. Like you just see, once you once you are looking out for it, you'll see it everywhere. It like really does just apply all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like people care more about their role in a company than the company actually doing anything or yeah. stuff like that. It really does clarify the last twenty years of politics when we had all of the different leaders being backstabbed <laughs> for reasons that yeah. seemed pretty like nonsensical to people from the outside it was like kevin rudd's doing well and oh he's taking on the mining industry that's gillard oh yeah. okay oh well, gillard well gillard's doing well she's got the carbon tax she's, oh it's rudd again oh yeah oh well, fuck this let's have an election fuck this I'm, I'm getting rid of him let's go abbott 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 managed to axe the tax and he's out oh, to turnbull uh, and it's just because those people that are in there are more concerned about getting into those positions of power and then trying to shore them up than anything that affected the Australian people and that made the political parties look good. Yeah. I don't even think the iron law of institutions is like necessarily even saying like, oh, anybody who's gains any power within institution is necessarily always going to be power hungry and not care oh, no, about I'm not, the I'm not saying, institution yeah, yeah, yeah. or anything like that. I, I, I honestly think that it's like... When somebody gains power within within an institution, they're like, oh, now my vision for what this institution could be can come about. Like, we'll all work together. Yeah. And Albo thinking, like, my vision for the Labor Party is this good thing and I can lead the Labor Party towards that. And so when his leadership is challenged... The fact that it's going to make the Labour Party less effective doesn't really matter. Like, he's not like, oh, you know, like, if we get into this big shit fight instead of me just standing down in, in favour of somebody who's more, you know, popular with the public or, you know, capable of, of taking on the issues that we need to take on or that sort of thing. That's not really a factor for him because he's like, that person will have a different vision of what the Labour Party should could be than I do. And so it's better that the Labour Party is less effectively moving towards my vision than more effectively moving towards somebody else's vision. Yeah. Like, it's it's still a thing that makes sense, even if the person who's leading the institution has a belief that the institution does take priority over their own interests. They're still prioritising their own interests of that institution. And that's why the iron mm. law never fails. You'll always see it everywhere. Yeah, it's a, it's a fucking... Brainworm. It's one of those things where just like, oh, oh, oh shit. It's fucking everywhere. Yeah, it's the they live glasses. So considering we have a political system which is run by people in positions of power who are jostling for power, often at the expense of actually doing something useful. Is this another one of those examples where it's like the way you fix it is just by having a sortition system where instead of having people whose job is being a labor guy... We just kind of have a have a, a pool of experts to advise, and then we have randomly picked members of society who actually make the decisions for the government, who are changed out every couple of years. It's my dream. Yeah. Yep. Just randomly select them. With one caveat that there should be a like secret cabal of philosopher kings on top. Other than that, a yes. randomly selected group of philosopher kings from the general population. Oh, yeah, sorry, that was implied. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, absolutely, that's just a given, Mitch. That's yeah. just a given. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not going to dismantle the Illuminati, Mitch. <laughs> but the Illuminati should oh be my randomly God. selected. 
Can you guys imagine the fucking infighting in the Illuminati? You've got like the right wing of the Illuminati being like, we need more lizards. And the left wing of the Illuminati (laughs) being like, guys, have we forgotten about pyramids? (laughs) (laughs) The Illuminati is not getting anything done right now. This is, that is exactly the type of divergence I was expecting when we don't have someone like Evie bullying us. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Evie would be all in on the Illuminati. She would know exactly which members of, like, the Kardashians are or are not in the Illuminati. She's listening to this right now being like, you're wrong! You're wrong! <laughs> Illuminati's just constantly just, like, plagued with infighting of, like, the secret door to the hidden meeting chamber should be a series of notes played on a piano. No! It should be a book in a bookshelf that you pull! <laughs> Some firebrand so ordering in hits like, on each other. What if it's a what if it's a diamond in an eye socket of a statue? It's like, oh, get oh out of god. Here. This is exactly what I was expecting from Mitch. He has no vision for the Illuminati. <laughs> Thinks it should be a jewel in a statue. This is not what the Illuminati stands for. We are a sequence of notes on a piano organization, and we always have been. Some of us are tone deaf. Some of us are tone deaf, and it's like you don't even care. Oh, we're saying it's ableist to not do- <laughs> Since that Jay-Z film clip, we have not been respected. It's because we are holding on to outmoded code systems. I'm telling you, diamonds in sockets. It's the way of the future, old man. You need to catch up. Mitch, did you just flash the Illuminati triangle hand symbol at me? I know. We're in the meeting room now. You don't need to do it all the time. Huh? 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 Uh, this is going to play dear. well on a podcast uh, now. <laughs> the best part is we're not even looking at each other, but you know I was just flashing the symbol at you and you were <laughs> pretending to look at it. I feel like that's all we have to talk about this week. Nicely done, everybody. I knew we'd get it off their rails eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, do we want to do shout outs? I think let's just cut straight into thanks for listening. Shout out to the American government for actually doing some shit that isn't terrible (laughs) for the first time in living memory. Yeah, that's not going to age well, though. Shout out to the American (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're doing a lot of things. Why is it like. Yeah, you're what's wrong with the world, but you know. In the last six months, all you've done is fucking shout out the fir- the Communist Party of China, and now you're calling out imperialist America. Like, hell yeah. Can't I shout out both the CCP and the USA? No! Pick a side, you fucking centrist. That's my problem with just like, look, just shout out to whoever's going to finally coup Australia. Just somebody. For fuck's sake. Which, well, look, honestly, I think America might do a worse job. Um, if China... Look, you're right. You're right. No, no. I'm not going to continue this thought. <laughs> shout out to the- Shout out to the government of New Zealand who, you know, they don't have a big history of conducting coups on foreign nations, but it's never too late to stop. <laughs> yep. Shout out to Bolsonaro and the logging industry in Brazil. The GDP is going up. Good on them. I'm not going to shout out Brazil. Not yet. Yeah, but if they get one good tweet in there, you'll be all over them next week. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to Not Good Enough. You can get in touch with us on all the socials at NotGoodPod or email us at NotGoodPod at ProtonMail.com. We really love hearing from you guys. We really love the corrections. We really love the shout outs. And if you want to introduce us to your friends, we will love you forever and kiss you Mm. on the lips when that's allowed again. If you're in the Illuminati, please let us know some of your infighting factional politics. Uh, Shout out to the Illuminati. (laughs) Shout out to the Illuminati. It's not too late to coup Australia. (laughs) Not Good Enough is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their oldest past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded.